Our text today is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 20, verse 45 through 21, verse 4. Then with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious, making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped him two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, she has given everything she has. Thank you, Kim. Wow, it works. It's on. That's fantastic. The only reason it didn't work before is because I had it turned off. We're wrapping up a series this morning called uh, God Loves Widows which you might think is a strange title because, like me, you've probably grown up hearing that God loves everybody. So why are we calling out widows? What's so special about widows? And that's a fair question. The answer is, uh, I think, that we've been talking about widows in part because of something that James wrote. Now, James uh, was the half-brother of Jesus, so we, for that reason, we should absolutely pay attention to what he said. And he wrote in, uh, his, see, in his letter to the believers, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. So I think we should pay attention to anything that God sees as pure and genuine religion. We've got a lot of different people running around out there with a lot of different beliefs how are we to know what's right and what's wrong? Well, we can use litmus tests like these to determine who is doing God's work and who isn't. Anyway, the, wid the widow that we're considering today was written about in two Gospels, Luke chapter 20 and Mark chapter 12. Here's what we know about her. We know she was a widow. We know she was poor. And we know she went to church at least one time in her life. That's it. That's all we really know. Um, and yet... This poor widow has been spoken of maybe than any other person with that label in the entire Bible for 2,000 years now. Beyond that, beyond those three things that she was a widow, she was poor, and she went to church at least once, her life is a mystery. We don't know her backstory. We don't know her age. We don't even know her name. But Jesus turned one small act by this anonymous widow into a big teachable moment for believers throughout history. Now, this morning is all about big moments. We're celebrating graduates today because they've reached a huge milestone on their road to adulthood. They've been working toward this goal. Maybe their parents have been working toward this goal for 18 years. And now the question, uh, now that it's here, the big question that they're, that they're getting asked is, what's next? What are you going to do now? Where are you going to go? Even this morning as they were here on the stage, we're talking about what they're going to do next, where they're going to go, what they're going to study. Are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to trade school? Are you going to work? Are you going to take a gap year? Are you going to travel? Life is always moving forward, never moves back. So we're always looking forward 
to the next big thing or the next big moment of our lives, not just graduation, we're all living through moments both big and small all the time. So I sent a, a message out this week through our Church Center app. If you don't have the Church Center app, you didn't get the message, sorry. I sent a message out and asked you to finish this sentence. The next big moment for me is probably. And I got some interesting answers. Look at some of the answers that I got this week. Some people said I could share their names. Some people didn't. So uh, I got this one. The next big moment for me is probably my son graduating high school. That was Joseph's mom. Ava, Ava said that. There she is. My son graduating high school. That's a big moment. How about this one? Watching my daughter marry the love of her life and start a new chapter for all of us. That came from Wendy, Wendy Desolates. That's a pretty big moment. Watching your kid. I have a daughter who got married this last year. That was a big moment for me. What about this one? Kids' weddings, sort of the same thing. And then having a house to myself again. Must be a graduate parent. Oh, no. Seriously, though, having Bryson being able to come home from the hospital. That was Andrea Vanderlei. So, do we know when that? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Big moment for sure. What about this one? Getting deeper with God so David sees his mom leaning on God and not the world. That's little David Abernathy's mom, Ashley. And then celebrating my dad's 75th birthday. That came from Miss Shelley. That's a big deal. 75? Wow. Uh, retirement in five or six years. Sandy, Mar Sandy, you're showing your age. Sorry. And then uh, Delenn had the same idea, though. She said starting to draw retirement. She just left that time open-ended. And then this was uh, the last one that I want to share with you. Tomorrow. The next big moment for me is probably tomorrow. It may be the day my Savior comes back. We don't know when. We just have to be ready. Wow. That's pretty impressive. That was cool when I read that, for sure. So my question for you is, at the top of the insert that's in your worship guide, there's the statement, the next big moment for me is, or my next big moment is, and I've left some lines there for you to write something in. So I'm just curious, the first thing that pops into your mind, just do yourself a favor. I'm not going to ask you to say these out loud. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. But do yourself a favor. You'll get more out of this this morning if you take just a moment to think about it and write it down. One surprising truth about the big moments of our lives is that they sometimes come when we least expect it. You've heard the story until you're sick to death of hearing it, but I got to go on a trip last year at a Pastor Lynn's invitation last two years ago to Cyprus. And what I did not know is that that trip was by invitation only, by his invitation only. And so before I was able to ascertain that, I had already invited my soon-to-be-married daughter to come along with me. But of course, she was imminently qualified, and so we wound up going it together. I, I thought that that was going to be an amazing trip, and indeed it was, the trip of a lifetime. That was a big moment, and it only got bigger once we got there. It is the trip we will never forget, the trip we almost got blown up, and I, couldn't, I can't wait to almost to do it again. <laughs> Maybe. Different place, different location. Not exactly all the details, but I can't wait to go back. What's your next big moment? Well, the account that we're reading today, the account of this poor anonymous widow woman, was a big moment for her. And I don't think she ever even knew it. I don't think she ever even knew that it was a big moment. But think about it. She, 
the, the account of what happened that day, the account of what she did, was written down in God's book and has been spoken of and preached of for 2,000 years. And I think for her, it was just another Saturday. Sabbath, right? It's another Saturday, just another Saturday, just going about my business and doing my thing. Let's look at it again. This is Mark chapter 12. The passage was read from Luke this morning, but this is the parallel passage in Mark, and it has a few other little details that we don't get in Luke. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped, dropped in their money. Wouldn't that, is, I mean, just stop right there for a second. That's awkward. Can we just acknowledge that for a second? We have little black boxes at the back of the auditorium for people to drop their offerings in as, as they go out. How would you feel if Pastor Lynn sat there at the, uh, at the chair, the nearest chair to the box, and watched as people went by, dropped in their offering? Not only that, but apparently Jesus was sitting there with his disciples because he, he makes a lesson out of what this widow lady does. So imagine Pastor Lynn sitting there, and then the church staff, and then the deacons are sitting behind him, and he's talking about everybody who goes by putting their offering in the collection box. That would be weird. Um, it doesn't seem to be weird in this account. Maybe this is just the way they did things. We don't do things that way today. I'm kind of glad. Anyway, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, of course, because they could afford it. Then a poor widow came, and she dropped in two small coins. Now, you students of the Bible, you know that these small coins that she dropped in are, are called mites. M-I-T-E-S. Widow's mites. I went to Israel a few years back. I get to go again very soon. But I went to Israel a few years back, and, and one of the things that they do when you're over there is they, uh, they, they, tourism is a big industry, so they're always trying to, to sell things to remind you of your trip. And one of the things that I could have bought while I was over there were some replica widow's mites. So, so before we go any further, let me just clear up any misunderstanding because English is such a wonderful language that these words carry many, many meanings. So we're not talking about this kind of mite. That's one kind of mite. We're not talking about this kind of mite. That's another kind of mite. Gross. We're talking about this kind of mite. These are replica widow's mites, and you can see from the size of that hand, they're really tiny. Let me zoom in so you can get a better, better view. They're really small, and that's apparently all she had to give, just those two mites. Jesus saw this woman drop in these two mites and call his disciples and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She gave everything she had to live on. See, here's, I want to give you some truths about these big moments of our lives that sometimes we recognize and sometimes we miss. And there's some blanks in your worship guide to help keep you awake as we move through these things. Here's the first one. My big moments usually reflect who or what I love. My big moments usually reflect who or what I love because that's where I like to spend my time and my money. I like to spend my time on my money on the people and the hobbies, the things that I enjoy that give me satisfaction, the things that I love. Everybody does that. That's neither good nor bad. It's just the way that it is. Jesus told his disciples to beware if you back up a little bit, 
to, the pre, uh, to verse 38 in uh, Mark, be aware or be alert to the danger of the religious teachers. Now, I found that interesting because he didn't tell his disciples to ignore them. He didn't say, don't pay any attention to them. He just said, beware of them, be careful of them. In other words, pay attention and filter their actions through the lens of their love. You see, everybody has a natural love language. If you've ever heard or studied Gary Chapman, you know that there are, he identified five love languages like time and, and uh, physical touch and gifts and acts of service, things like that. Everybody has a, this natural love language that we learn to speak often from, our, often from our parents. But what not everybody has and what we really need, what I really need is the unnatural ability to see the world through another person's love. Think about what a great ability this would be. Instantly to be able to discern somebody else's motives, why they say what they say, why they do what they do, why they go where they go, why they spend what they spend. If you could instantly, by seeing somebody, know exactly what they loved, you wouldn't have to wonder. You wouldn't have to guess at their motives because we all spend our time and our energy on the things that we love. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Look at these religious teachers, but consider what it is that they love. Let me show you. Jesus taught, beware of these teachers of religious law. Here's what they love. They like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. That's what they like. And they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at the banquets. And that's why you need to watch out for them. Watch out for them because of what they like and because of what they love. What they liked and loved was authority and attention. They loved it. They loved attention and authority. They liked being loved and they loved having leverage. And what did this poor widow have? She had no attention. Nobody was paying her any attention. She had definitely had no authority. She was a widow. She may have been liked. She may have had some friends. I hope so. She was a real flesh and blood person. This isn't fiction. She may have been liked, but she certainly had no leverage. So it begs the question, why did she give? Why? Why did she give? What, what was in it for? What was it? There's just enough. I'm not quite a millennial, but there's just enough millennial in me that I naturally ask the question, what's in it for me? And so when I read this, this passage this morning, that was my first thought. What was in it for her? Did she give for the approval of her friends at church? She might have. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. Did she give because she loved the synagogue? She loved her church? Maybe. It's possible. Did she give because she loved God? I'd like to think so. But again, I don't know for sure. It's a maybe. But Jesus, who did have the power to read minds, I mean, think about that. If ever there was anybody who lived who could just look at somebody and tell exactly why they were doing what they were doing, I mean, Jesus did this all the time. He called people out all the time. The Bible says that Jesus knew the intents of their hearts, and so he would... And so he would, because he knew the intents of, her, of their hearts. So Jesus could read minds. He looked at this woman, and he did not, I thought it was interesting when I read this. Jesus didn't comment 
on the widow's motives. He never said to his disciples, oh, now look at that woman. Let her be a lesson to all of you. She loves God, and so she has given. He didn't say that. He didn't comment about why she did what she did. All he did was commend what she did. He commended her act of faith. What was her act of faith? Poor as she is, she has given. Now Luke says everything she had, but Mark adds everything she had to live on. And that, folks, is real. I mean, she gave everything she had. That could be hyperbole. But everything she had to live on, that's serious. Jesus commended her act of faith because she gave away her security. She gave away her future. Everyone noticed, everyone noticed, I think, how much less she gave, especially when Jesus pointed it out. Oh, look at that woman. She gave two poor mites. But listen to me. Hear this now. Less is more when your love is right. Less is more when your love is right. Time is slipping away, so I'm going to run through the rest of this really fast, right quickly. I said this, we're talking about the widow's mites this morning, but the mites that I really want to talk about are not the strong, the muscles, they're not the bugs that crawl, they're not even the mites that were in her hand that she gave. The mites that I want to talk about this morning are these mites, options, M-I-G-H-T. I want to talk about her choices. You see, this widow might have stayed home. Or she might have just stayed in her place at the back of the room. And that would have been an understandable decision. I mean, she probably had to make an effort to get there that day. Because after all, she was a widow. She didn't have anybody to take care of her. She might have kept all that money because it was all she had to live on. She might have kept it all so that she could take care of herself. And that would have been a sound financial decision. She might have given one of the mites, because she had two of them. She might have given one of her coins, or maybe given if she had something left over at the end of the month. And that would have certainly been a reasonably charitable, maybe an unreasonably charitable decision for her to give a half away. But listen, I shouldn't put my money where my mouth is. There's no real benefit in that. I shouldn't put my money where my mouth is. I should put my money and my time where my heart should be. Because Jesus said, where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. You ever thought about that? He didn't say, where your heart is, put your treasure. He turned it around. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You give first and your heart follows. So forget about putting your money where your mouth is. There's no real benefit in that. Put your money and your time where your heart should be. And it'll follow. God will bless. Here's something else you need to remember. Don't wait until it feels right to act right. Again, we can't imply motives into what this widow woman did. But don't wait until it feels right to act right. If you keep waiting for that, graduates, as you go off to college and you learn how to make decisions on your own, if you keep waiting until it feels right to do the right thing, you're never going to do the right thing. Your parents have been telling you this for 18 years. There's, there's no magic this is not a revelation to you. 
but you got to do the right thing whether it feels right or not. And live every moment for the God who loves you. Live every moment for the God who loves you. Look, today is a big moment for these six graduates and their families. But it could be a big moment for you too. You might have come this morning expecting, oh, he's going to talk to the graduates and uh, I'll just sit there and I'll enjoy and I'll nod my head. But look, you're not here by accident this morning. God has a message for you as well. This could be a big moment for you. If you're here today and you've never established a relationship with God, this could be the biggest moment of your life. But the choice is yours. Today you are confronted with a room full of mites. Not the bugs. We, we take care of that stuff. A room full of mites. A room full of options. A room full of choices. But their options and the choices are all up to you. So the question is, what are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with those options? What are you going to do with those choices? Will you